This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Spectrums. <laughs> what? What? We, we can't be contained with the binary. What, what do you mean? We exist beyond everything. My name is Alex. I use they, Z pronouns. And this is Stride with Pride. Hello and welcome back to Stride with Pride. I hope you've had a fantastic, however long it's been since you listened to the last episode. As a little note, um, this is being filmed in my family home bedroom um, because of lockdown. Um, so this is being recorded during lockdown. I think I said filmed before. Um, this is being recorded during lockdown, so apologies in advance for any sound quality issues. Um, I'm going to work on that as we go. We're going to see how it how it goes. So um, if it doesn't sound as good as normal, um, that is why. So bear with. <laughs> on today's episode, we are going to talk about spectrums and what they are, what they mean, brief history of them, how they can be used, and how they aren't really super amazing sometimes. So we'll start off with a brief history of spectrums for the queer community and how they were used and how we use them today. So in the first sort of record of this that we have, in the mainstream at least, is something you might have heard of before and I've talked about it in previous episodes. It's called the Kinsey Scale. So this came about in 1948. Um, Alfred Kinsey made the scale, um, and I'm going to put pictures of all of these on my Instagram story at stride.with.pride. Check that out um, so you can have the visuals for this episode as well when it comes out. And essentially what it is is a scale um, continuum from 0 to 6, 0 being exclusively heterosexual, and six being exclusively homosexual. Um, so it sort of is a way on continuum for uh, what it calls varying bisexual responses. Um, and essentially is the first spectrum we had um, for plotting ourselves and figuring out where we were, um, at least scientifically and in the mainstream, um, which we know doesn't you know, truly reflect a bunch of our experiences. Um, but as a first attempt, not bad, especially for 1948 and a bunch of, you know, not acceptingness at that time. Um, so it was starting to get looked into. Um, and some sources say that there was also an option in the original for X, which um, was experiencing no sexual attraction. Yeah, and so people would plot themselves along the Kinsey scale of how much homosexual to heterosexual uh, attraction they felt. And there's a sort of triangular line across it um, that sort of, sort of shows it in different amounts. And yeah, something that is important to remember, though, is that a lot of these early spectrums were made by cisset people um, in an attempt to pathologize queer people and make them seem like they conform and explain it to cis people. Um, so it was by people trying to figure us out, not made by us. There's definitely 
some that I'm missing here, but these are some of the main ones that I've heard about and looked at. Um, so the next one I'm going to talk about is the BIM-6 Roll Inventory, or the BSRI, in 1974. So BIM, um, th- this wasn't exclusively for gender, it was mainly for gender roles, but it was sort of a way of showing things that wasn't exclusively just two ends of a spectrum. So what it did was um, have a bunch of traits and people would classify them as masculine or feminine traits, um, <laughs> and then people would um, sort of rate people with how many traits of each category they had, and then there was a sort of a graph, and there's quadrants of the graph. So the y-axis is feminine, low to high, um, and then the x-axis is masculine, low to high. And if you're high on the feminine side and low on the masculine side, then the box that you're in is feminine, vice versa, you're in the masculine box. If you're high in both, then it says that you're androgynous. And if you're low in both, it says undifferentiated. Um, so this is slightly more advanced than the Kinsey scale, and they are for different things. I recognize this, but, you know, it's just acknowledging different ways of going about things. And then along came, this was much later, so in the 2010s, I think, uh, either way, it's a lot more recent than <laughs> those other two. But um, I'm going to talk about all the sort of versions of the genderbred person, um, as well as a new alternative um, that we've come up with. So for the first genderbred person, um, there were only four things on it, um, which was a lot more than people were used to at the time. And I've talked about it before, so there's gender identity, and at one end there is one slider for each of these. One end is woman, the other end is man, and the middle is genderqueer. Gender expression is feminine, masculine, and then androgynous in the middle. Biological sex is feminine, masculine, and then intersex in the middle. Biological sex is female and male, and then intersex in the middle. And then there's sexual orientation, and there's heterosexual and homosexual and then bisexual in the middle. So we know, we've talked about this before, um, it is <laughs> quite reductive um, to have only one slider, um, and it doesn't take into account, you know, you can feel different intensities for different things, um, and that, you know, things like gender identity don't exist on a binary spectrum, because even though it's you know, a spectrum, it still has two endpoints. Um, so, yeah. Also, you know, the sexual orientation doesn't have room for asexuality or any of that kind of stuff, um, or other genders um, other than male and female. So, yeah. But, you know, it was the first edition. They're, they're, they're trying. So version 2.0, um, this has more sliders, which is a good thing. Um, we, we like having more things. So for the gender identity, there are two sliders. One is womanness and the other one is manness. And at the opposite end, the left side, it's non-gendered. Um, so, you know, that starts to take into account, like, not having a gender that is the two binary ones, but it also doesn't, you know, quite encompass it fully because it is expensive as hell. <laughs> gender expression, it has masculine as one slider and feminine as another. And at the other end, the left side, there's agender. Um, and this is kind of 
conflating gender with expression because a gender isn't necessarily an expression it's a gender um you can use it to describe your expression but <laughs> um and for biological sex it has femaleness and maleness and then on the other side it has asex so not asexual um just not having a sex and this is a little controversial and some might think that the actual one slider works best um for intersex inclusion as well um but also again sex is a social construct and who decides where the lines are are the people in power um so that's a whole thing (laughs) um and then there is the attracted to um and for this one it has men males slash masculinity on one which it's good we're getting some progress here it's not just men and women it's masculinity as well Um, And then on the other one, it's women, females, and femininity. And then on the left side, it is nobody. So that starts to take into account asexuality. Still doesn't include non-binary people, um, but it does sort of start to include it with presentation. um, But it's also just attraction. It doesn't split it up into romantic and sexual and other types of attraction. But we, we did see some progress here. For version 3.2, there's a bunch of different versions here, but this is just one of the ones that I picked up. This one is essentially the same, but it finally splits up sexual and romantic attraction. So it's exactly the same, um, but it just has romantic and sexual attraction separate. So yay! (laughs) And then there is version 4. So this one... Again, mostly the same. So gender identity has womanness and manness on the right side, and then a no or cancel symbol on the other side. Um, gender expression, same thing. Femininity, masculinity, and then a no symbol on the other side. This one has anatomical sex, so femaleness and maleness on two sliders, and then no on the other end. But it also has sex assigned at birth checkboxes, so whether that's female, intersex, or male. So this is slightly better for that. Um, So it it shows what you've been assigned by society and then what your body physically has. But again, society decides what counts as femaleness and maleness. So yeah, but you know, it actually does take those into account. So that is a bit better there. Um, And for sexual and romantic attraction, it has pretty much the same. So it's women and or feminine and or female people on one side, no on the other side. Um, and then another one for men and or masculinity and or male people and no on the other side. <laughs> but yeah, again, doesn't take into account non-binary people. And now we get to the gender unicorn, which is sort of the most-ish up-to-date one I've seen in terms of generally known spectrums, but also it might just be generally known to me because I exist in these spheres and I'm interested in it, so, you know, who knows. So this one, for gender identity, it has female, woman, girl on the right, no on the other side. There's a male, man, boy on the right, and no on the left. And then there's a slider for other genders. 
and, and they know on the other side. Um, so this does take into account non-binary genders, um, but it does sort of place them as a third gender, and that's sort of the one of the problems of spectrums. Um, but because there are multiple sliders, you can plot yourself on all three of them if you want to. Um, so it does take into account multifaceted gender identities, um, and so that's good. And for gender expression, it is pretty similar. So it has feminine, masculine, and other. Um, all on arrows, no on the left. <laughs> um, so it sort of doesn't quite say what the other is. Um, so that could be reference to androgyny. Um, but what cultures see as androgynous is completely different. Or other could be what you define it. So I guess it is up to you. For sex assigned at birth, though, it is a little reductive, so it has a checkbox for female, male, and other slash intersex. Um, and so that is what you're assigned at birth, so it is a checkbox in the hospital, but it doesn't take into account, you know, biological difference and all of that stuff. So I think the version 4 of the genderbred person, um, so the one I just talked about, um, sort of talks about that better. So, you know, it's all it's all nuanced, um, and finding the perfect one is maybe not possible because everyone is different. Wow! <laughs> um, and this one has physical attraction and emotional attraction rather than sexual and romantic, um, which can be good um, as a better way to explain it. And for both of them, it has women as one, men as one, and other genders as another one. So this doesn't include femininity and masculinity as ones, which could be contentious because um, there's some people who don't feel like women but feel feminine, um, but then they might include that as just other. It really depends on what people feel like. Um, so I'm going to talk about the good and the not-so-good things about spectrums now. So I've sort of already talked about them, but, you know, Spectrums can be really useful ways to show people where you sit um, and to explain your identity to people, especially to people who don't quite grasp the concept or, you know, it's, it's an easy beginner way to start exploring it and showing people what it means to you. Um, and it can also challenge the binary because there are lots and lots of points in between what we normally consider the binary. But, yeah, no, again, um, having two points on either end of a spectrum, um, even if there's space between them, that still suggests like it's a binary and someone's you have to be between it, you know, um, which doesn't quite work for things like gender, which is so expensive. <laughs> um, so it allows for fluidity there and uh, you can show pr people precisely where you sit. Um, but, you know, there are some problems with it. Spectrums can also be difficult for people who sit in the middle of spectrums um, because either end of the binary has its individual culture and sometimes you aren't quite sure where you fit um, with either of them because they have such distinct cultures and you might feel tied to one but also relate to the experiences of another and you are somewhere in between because you're in the middle of the spectrum but it can be really confusing and also a little isolating because of this. Um, because there's such a big notion of the binary existing, um, and it's like so socially reinforced. So I am demisexual. I've come to terms with that recently, um, and 
a lot of the time when I was questioning it, it, it kind of felt like I, I wasn't sure where I was and where I sat because, you know, sometimes you forget the middle of the spectrum exists because of such of the, you know, the one end of the binary is the majority. Most people feel this. And so this is obviously the main thing in society. And then the other end of the binary wants to place themselves against that because they're not like that, which it makes complete sense. So they're very just against everything. I'm not saying that asexual people are. The asexual community is wide and vast and accepting of all people on the aspect se- on the aspect spectrum. A spectrum. That's it. It includes it in the name. <laughs> but sometimes it can feel like that and you can sometimes forget that the middle of the spectrum exists and there are a vast majority, a, a vast amount of experiences within that grey area. I mean, it's literally called grey ace for a reason, right? Like, there is so much in between. But you can forget that sometimes. And so it can be difficult to figure out who you are in this if you don't feel like you belong to either one of the categories. So just remember that the middle of these exist and you are valid to exist within them even if sometimes there might not be a label for that. And that's okay. And I've heard this happen a lot within the bi community as well. People not feeling quite at home with, you know, the straight community because they aren't, they're bi, and sort of feeling ostracized sometimes by the mono-gay community because they're like, oh, but you still like straight people. We don't like biphobia in this household. It can it can go. Like, bi people are valid parts of the community. Wow, it's almost like they're the bee. Um, but, you know, you can feel like you're not quite part of either because you're in this middle ground and you don't quite know where to fit. And because the binary is so pervasive, it's like, oh, no, the middle exists, though. Like, you know, ah. <laughs> And this, you know, this probably isn't helped by the polarization of the internet, um, which I think can be a really big main factor, you know, because on the internet you're expected to have an opinion about everything and you have to have the most extreme opinion, otherwise you're not going to get, you know, attention at all. Um, so nuance is often neglected. And I'm not saying that's anyone's fault, but that is the culture in a lot of places, especially Twitter, um, you know, where, you know, to get famous or get attention or whatever, it's it's a really short format and you need to have short, snappy opinions and it doesn't allow time and space for nuance. Um, so that doesn't help um, when you're trying to figure stuff out. And because the internet shapes a lot of young people's experiences with the queer community, especially, you know, young queer people seeing other queer people for maybe the first time in their lives, and, you know, they find it first, it's, and it's a safe place to express that, it's, you know, a lot of people's first port of call and interaction with it. So, you know, you can get wrapped up in the idea of this polarization, which isn't, isn't the best. Um, so it's, it's, it's quite easy to get caught up in the, a lot of the, um, chronically online takes, um, for those who don't know, chronically online takes are basically takes that don't take into account how the real world works and usually focus on things that are semantics and respectability politics, which is a whole nother thing. Um, I'm going to 
do an episode on that, but it's a whole thing. <laughs> but, you know, you take, it, it puts the controversy first and, you know, because you aren't exposed to anything else, you believe it, especially as a young, impressionable queer person. So that's, I think, part of the reason why we need to think more broadly about these things and that spectrums aren't necessarily the best way to go about it. They can be incredibly useful for sharing stuff about yourselves and visualizing it, um, but it does have a lot of drawbacks. And, you know, sometimes it, it doesn't quite, if it's a static image, it doesn't quite allow for fluctuation because a lot of people have fluctuating, you know, gender and sexual orientation and romantic orientation and identity and stuff in general because people are fluid. Humans are fluid creatures and to put us into one box, it don't work. It don't work, <laughs> you know? We're such vast and complex creatures. It sort of does a disservice, you know? So I'm going to provide some alternatives. Um, and I've sort of talked about some of them before. Um, so I think probably the gender unicorn is the best um, version we have in the moment, but it doesn't take into account sex differences at birth. Um, so, you know, we can combine, mix and match things. Um, so in terms of a actual spectrums one, there is that. One that I really like that I talked about in my episode, The Cis Perspective, um, I saw it on Tumblr somewhere, don't remember where, this was a long time ago, um, was the metaphor of a colour wheel. Um, and so the colour wheel, um, this is in terms of gender, um, the colour wheel is, you know, a bunch of different genders. And you can plot yourselves on different parts of that, um, and different colours can represent different things, and you can decide what that means for you. But then there's also a dimmer switch. Um, so it can show the intensity of the gender you feel. Um, so that can be useful, but again, it can be sort of reductive. Um, and you have to label what colours are associated with what. Um, and it can be just kind of confusing as well. And also, there is only one intensity thing, so you could add multiple intensity things. Um, it is really up to you. You can make a bunch of different customised things. You know, you could make like a sort of colour wheel thing, but it's a triangle and different points are different things that you consider part of your gender. So, you know, you can have, have your own personal spectrum, what works best for you. And for the last one, I sort of, I wanted to talk about an explanation that someone gave in a book that I read a while ago. So this is in The ABCs of LGBT by Ash Hardell. Um, and someone called Charlie um, explains their gender galaxy. Um, which I think is really cool. So I'm just going to read out a passage from that. So they say, I never felt like my gender fit into the strict male or female binary that society had shown me growing up. After doing some research, I found that many people describe gender as existing beyond the binary. They described it as a linear spectrum where you can be male, female, or anywhere in between. This felt like it was getting closer to the way I was feeling, but I still didn't feel like a mix of male and female. I felt like an entirely different gender. Then I saw a visual representation of the gender spectrum being shown as a planet. There were uncharted lands, mountains, islands, and more places than just the space between male and female. This was getting closer, but it felt too finite. To me, 
Gender is an infinite universe. Every single person experiences gender differently. Sometimes a person has no gender, like a black hole or a cluster of stars in deep space. Sometimes gender feels like a bursting colourful galaxy. Some people may stick to a strictly female planet their whole life or jump fluidly between several. I've never been able to find a more specific label than non-binary that describes how I feel about my own gender, but creating the gender universe makes me feel okay about that. We all have our own unique place in the infinite gender universe. And I just I just think that's really cool because it sort of aligns with how a lot of queer people, a lot of not cis people are explaining and experiencing their gender um, at the moment. So, you know, you've heard me talk a bit about before about like people describing their gender as, you know, um, inanimate objects or scenarios or feelings. Um, so, you know, like I said, a misty glade or, you know, when there's a stranger following you just behind dark and you can see them under the lamplight and they look just a bit to the left of human. So there's a bunch of different ways people can describe their gender like that, but I really, really like the gender universe there because it just feels so wonderful and expansive, like I've been talking about, you know. It takes into account everything. There is a planet for everyone and a celestial body for everyone. And, you know, I just, maybe it's because I'm a star lover. I mean, I literally included it in one of the names I chose for myself. So, like... You know, I think it's cool. So have a think on that. <laughs> For this week's Creator Spotlight, I wanted to shout out Ash Hardell. Um, they haven't posted in a very long time, but I used to follow them a lot. Um, and they wrote this wonderful book that I read a passage from. And I really recommend it. It's such a good basic guide for a bunch of different queer things. Um, it came out 2016. So quite a while ago, it doesn't include some concepts, but it's pretty comprehensive. Um, so I would highly recommend that this book for anyone who's new to it. Um, it's a really good basic thing. And, you know, even if you are queer and you know a bunch of stuff, you might learn some stuff from this. Um, yeah. So go check out that book. It's cool. It has a bunch of different... Um, experiences from different queer people, um, explaining their identity, um, and yeah, no, it's just really wonderful, so go check it out. Um, you can probably buy it wherever. Um, Ash Hadell also has a YouTube channel, um, but it, it doesn't post anymore, which is totally valid. Um, so we, we respect creators moving on. Um, but that is all for this week's episode of Stride with Pride. I hope You've learnt a bit more about spectrums, what they are, how they can be used, um, and some of the history of some of them, um, and why some of them have some problems, and some better ways to do it. Um, so I hope this was useful for you. Um, if you think I left anything out, please do message me at stride.with.pride on Instagram, or if you have any ideas for anything you want me to do a future episode on, please, again, send me a message. <laughs> but for now... I hope you have a fantastic day, afternoon or evening, whenever you are listening to this. Remember that you are so loved, so valued and so valid, no matter where you sit on the spectrum or off the spectrum. See you next time. Don't forget to spread your joy. Bye. 
For more episodes, use the accessmedia.nz app for iOS and Android devices or subscribe to this podcast via Spotify, iHeartRadio or Apple Podcasts. This free FM podcast was brought to you with support from New Zealand On Air.